This episode of Armchair Explorer is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. And epic journeys is what we're all about. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Those are my heroes. Those guys paved the way for me to be able to travel through this country free, and they're almost superhuman to me. Today, we're speaking with Eric Cedeno, also known as the Bicycle Nomad, about a 1,900-mile journey by bike he took a few years ago pedaling all the way from Montana to St. Louis. Not just any old journey. Eric was retracing a route taking 125 years ago by the Buffalo Soldiers, the all-black segregated army units formed after the Civil War. It was a piece of history that was nearly forgotten, and despite, as you will hear, being an absolutely incredible story, it wasn't being told, and because of that, it was almost lost. Eric decided to bring it back to life, and he did it not by telling it, but by living it, pedaling every mile that they did, sleeping where they slept, eating where they ate, taking the hard roads where modern paved highways do not go. And in doing so, he invites us to live it too. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to Armchair Explore, where the world's greatest adventurers tell their best stories from the road. My name's Aaron Miller. I'm a travel writer, and I'm so excited to share today's story with you. Eric Cedeno is awesome. He has a whole brand called Bicycle Nomad, where he promotes inclusivity and community in cycling, as well as all the other amazing stuff he's up to. You can check it out at IamBicycleNomad.com and make sure you follow him on social too. He goes on at least one big bikepacking adventure every year and he's a really fun and insightful guy to travel with. His Instagram is Bicycle underscore Nomad and his Facebook is just Bicycle Nomad, all one word. And if you're interested in more biking stories, we have tons of amazing episodes in the back catalog, including the hardest mountain bike race in the world. So listen at the end for those recommendations. So we're just about to get going, but before we do, a couple of quick shout outs. If you've come here because you heard about us on the Outside In podcast, hello, welcome. Awesome to have you guys. We did a little promo swap with them, and I know quite a few of you have come over to check out the show. So thank you for doing that. If you like travel and adventure, I think we're going to get on well. Also, I got to tell you about some stuff coming up that I'm really excited about. I'm working on an episode right now about Akashinga, the first all-female anti-poaching group in Africa. These ladies are amazing. The work they do is so important, 
And the story will literally blow your mind. So keep an eye out for that one in the next couple of weeks. And just so you don't miss that one or anything else, hit that subscribe button and follow the show. It makes a huge difference. Or simply tell a friend who you think needs some adventure and escape in their life. Our show is free to listen to, and the best way you can support it in return is by spreading the word. I'd also love to connect with you directly. The Instagram and Facebook is at Armchair Explorer Podcast. Tell me where you're traveling next, where you're dreaming of going, what you love on the show, what you'd like to hear more of. And if you like swapping travel stories, I know I do, and having a bit of a laugh, we're going to have some fun. So do come over and say hi. Last but in no means least, thank you to all the folks over at APT Podcast Studios Network. I'm super proud to be a part of what they do because we share the same values of telling real, authentic stories that matter. They have a great collection of other shows, and you can find out more at aptpodcaststudios.com. But don't worry about that right now because the adventure is about to begin. So let's hop on our bikes and start pedaling. I've always wanted to see the landscape of the country. And in 2010, I came up with this idea. I wonder if I could see the whole country by bike. And I just wanted to see the landscape. I wanted to meet different people. I wanted to wake up in different places. And the way I travel in the past, and through work, it was just flying into a city, do my job, and then get back home. And I just felt like I wanted to see what was in that space of the small towns and the small cities in the U.S. that I didn't get to travel. And in 2010, I decided, you know, I'm going to go from Miami to Key West. It was just an experiment. Just wanted to see if I could go long distance. It was about 150 miles each way, and I did it in two days. And on that trip, I decided, hmm, I wonder if I could go from border to border. And I didn't know if it was south to north or north to south, but six months later, I went up to Vancouver and I rode my bike from Vancouver down to Tijuana along the Pacific Coast Highway. And I just fell in love with the lifestyle and I wanted to see more. That trip changed his life. It was his first big adventure, 1,400 miles from the Canadian border to Mexico, hugging the coast all the way, the wild, windswept beaches of Oregon, the redwoods of Northern California, the rocky headlands of Big Sur and beyond. And he knew after that, that riding his bike long distances, seeing the country at that slow pace, seeing the in-between places that people rarely go, was going to be a part of his life from that moment on. But it was also hard. He needed something more than just going from A to B. On my second trip, I went from Miami to New York City and I started going through history. Starting in Florida and St. Augustine and I went to Savannah, Georgia and I went to Charleston and the history in Jamestown, Virginia and went to DC and Delaware and New Jersey and all the way up to New York. And I was like, wow, I just went through history. And I always say traveling by bike physically and mentally is very hard. So after that trip, I was like, I wonder if I should travel through history. History then became my carrot that allowed me to go, oh, I can't wait till I get to the next town or the next city so I could learn about this, right? And I've always been in love with history. 
Even as a kid, when I was 12 years old, my mom took me to Mexico and she hired a tour guide and she took us to the temples and the pyramids of the Mayan and Aztec civilization. And I got to climb pyramids and go through temples of ancient civilization. And I just like, that is who I am still today. And now when I travel by bike, I want to do that. I want to travel through history. I like to learn. I love history. I love traveling by bike. So I now interconnect both of them. He started doing research. He was looking for what his next ride would be, his next adventure. But now he wouldn't just be traveling to see the places in between those small towns and communities we fly over unnoticed and race past in our cars. Now, just like that 12-year-old kid lost in the wonder of ancient worlds, he would be traveling through history, revealing those stories, living them one stroke at a time. He started reading, going to libraries, studying, at first, just to learn the history of people traveling by bike. And then I came across this photo of 20 black soldiers traveling by bike, and I never knew about it. And I was like, oh, how come I didn't know about this in middle school or high school or even college? And I just felt cheated. You know, I started traveling by bike when I was 34 years old, and I probably would have started when I was in college if I would have learned about this. They became my inspiration as well to travel because now I saw people of color, black men traveling by bike, and I wanted to learn more. I wanted to know who those guys were, like their names, the personality, what they went through. These were the Buffalo Soldiers. After the Civil War in 1866, Congress created four all-black regiments to fight on the Western frontier. The Native Americans they met in battle gave them their nickname. It is said for the way their dark curly hair reminded them of a buffalo's mane, but also because of the ferocity of their fighting. It was considered high praise, and the soldiers wore their moniker with pride. And at the same time as this was happening, the bicycle was surging in popularity. By the mid-1890s, some 300 companies were mass-producing over a million bikes a year. And it wasn't long before the military got on board. The army wanted to try and test the bicycle as a method of transportation and potentially to use it for war. This is 10 years or so before motor vehicle. So back then, all they had were their horses. They knew that the bicycle was cheaper to maintain. Also, if they use it for war or to navigate, it will be more quiet than a horse. So they just thought, why don't we test it out? And the people to test it out, it was decided, were the Buffalo Soldiers, specifically the 25th Infantry Regiment. Lieutenant James Moss was put in charge. He had graduated from West Point in 1884, last in his class. And because of that, he got sent west of the Mississippi, where the rest of his upperclassmen did not want to go. He began working with the 25th Infantry, and he was fascinated with the bicycle. This was his opportunity. He put himself and the 25th forward to test the feasibility of the bicycle as a form of military transport. He got the green light, and the all-black 25th Infantry Bicycle Corps was born. 
They did three expeditions. So the first expedition was from Fort Missoula, where they were stationed, to McDonald Lake. It's about 130 miles round trip. That was the first expedition, the first test. The second expedition was from Fort Missoula to Yellowstone. That is about 600 miles, but it was reported that they rode 200 miles within Yellowstone. So the total navigation was about 800 miles. The army says, well, we should try longer. And so Lieutenant Moss decided to go from Fort Missoula to St. Louis, Missouri, 1,900 miles, and it took them 41 days, and they only had two days off. Really, really hard to navigate today. And in 1897, it was harder because they didn't have a lot of water, food. It was really hard to navigate through those muddy roads. Those bikes, they didn't have gear, so they were single speed. Also, their wheels were wooden wheels. It wasn't paved back then like we have them today. And it was not just a bike expedition, but it was also, they had to do drills throughout the day. And they would have to let go of the rifle and the handlebar and act like they were shooting at some of these muddy and gravel roads. And it was just a tough expedition. And it's the reason why I tell this story, because to me, those are those are my heroes. Those guys paved the way for me to be able to travel through this country free and what they had to deal with racism and, and mentally that was a tough, a tough, tough ride for them. And they're almost superhuman to me. He read about them, the more he knew what he had to do. This would be his biggest, most audacious, and most important adventure to date. Just traveling through history, but bringing it back to life, bringing this incredible piece of American and especially African American history into the light. He would retrace the Buffalo Soldiers expedition, traveling by bike from Fort Missoula, Montana, through Wyoming and Nebraska to St. Louis, Missouri. Eric studied their lives for seven years before he began, reading journals, newspaper articles from the time, anything he could get his hands on. So by the time he arrived at Fort Missoula for the start of his adventure, they weren't just his heroes. They were also somehow like friends, like brothers. I knew where those guys were born. I know where they died. I know where each of them is buried. I know if they were married. I know if they had kids. So when I started finally getting into Fort Missoula, I got emotional. I actually shared some tears just before I left because I love these guys very much. I, I love what they did and they're resilient, right? So to finally be in the trail of the Bicycle Corps. Yeah, that was emotional for me. I called out, I shut everything down mentally and I called out the names of those previous explorers, right? So I called the name of Private John Finley, who was the mechanic of the expedition, First Sergeant Mingo Sanders and Elwood Foreman. And I called the names of all the guys and I just said, protect me. You guys know this route? protect me on this route, but also share the history that I don't know through some of these books that have been written. You guys know 
what you guys went through and please share that with me. And that's exactly what I did on the beginning of this expedition. And you know, those, the, I always say the soul never dies. So those guys were present and I could feel their presence. He began paddling at 5.30 a.m. on June 14th, 2022, exactly 125 years to the minute from when the Bicycle Corps set out on their own grand, groundbreaking adventure. But there would be no gentle warming in. This episode of Armchair Explorer is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. And Pathfinder, that's a pretty cool name, isn't it? Because that's also what this show is all about. Exploring, getting off trail, having adventures, finding your own path and living life to the fullest. Sound like you? Yep, sounds like me too. Which is why I'm so excited to partner with Nissan. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has seven drive modes, available intelligent 4x4. It's got the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds. So go ahead and bring all that gear with you and lots more. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, a vehicle built for adventures everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So today, you're able to do it two ways to get up over the Continental Divide. You're able to go through the road where all the, the cars will go. And there's a big shoulder that you're able to navigate through that. But they didn't go that way. They went through a pass that was muddy, rocky, and I wanted to go there. For me, it's very important to go as close to the history and as close to the historical route as I could. I wanna see weather pattern, I wanna see road condition, but I also wanna feel what they felt. So if I go through the paved road, it will be physical hard because you still have to climb, but they didn't go that way. So I took the gravel route up. And I remember stopping that one time halfway up and. I just couldn't believe how hard it was for them to go up. You get to the top and it's just so beautiful. Montana is one of the most beautiful states we have. And yeah, all you see is the landscape. And But going down was as hard as going up <laughs> because it was steeped going down and rocky. And constantly I was pressing my brakes. And again, I pulled over and I just like, how did these guys do it? The first two days, on that 1897 expedition, it snowed. 
in June 24th of 1897, it snowed. And so they had to ride in the snow and just imagine that the weather, the mud, every seven miles, they had to pull over as a group and just get the mud off the tires because they couldn't navigate forward. I mean, yeah. Eric estimates that he spent about 70% of the trip off-road in the gravel and mud, just like the Buffalo soldiers did. The other 30% was on paved road, but only because there was no other option. He was determined to get as close as he could to the true historical route. He'd learned the history in books back to front. Now he was determined to learn it with his own eyes, under his own steam, pedal by pedal, mile by mile. Right after I went over the Continental Divide, I got one of my highlights. I got to spend the night at Fort Harrison, exactly where they went and they spent the night. Because when they crossed over, it was rainy, it was snowy, so it was really wet. All their tents were wet, so they decided to stay that night and the next day to, to dry their stuff. I went there because there's a historical museum and when I went there, I wanted to see if they have photos that I've never seen or anything about their expedition when they went through it. But there was nothing, so I, I went really fast through the museum and I was heading out. And this lady was outside and she was like, I saw you coming in and I just saw you this morning on the news. And I just want to thank you for paying respect to those guys. And she said, what can I do for you? And I'm like, I love to stay here. They stayed here. I've been calling for eight months and no one gave me the clearance to stay because I'm not military. She said, well, I am the only person that could do that clearance. She said, I'm the Colonel of this fort. I just looked at her and almost tears. Something told me go there because I was gonna leave. I wasn't gonna go there because no one gave me the clearance. So I was heading up to my campsite and I met this lady and says, yeah, you're able to stay here. And I'm always calling, and not just at the start, but also when I'm riding my bike, I'm calling the names of some of those guys. I was like, tell me what happened here. Let me experience, and this happens, right? And, and just like this, many experiences happen on this trip that I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> and I know how that happened. Those guys were with me and they allowed me to experience what they experienced. And I was able to stay in Fort Harrison exactly where they stayed. And for me, that was amazing. As the Buffalo soldiers left Montana, crossing the Little Bighorn River into Wyoming, newspaper reports preceded them and people began to catch wind of what they were doing, welcoming them into their small towns and communities with open arms. But the riding was still incredibly hard. The thick mud broke their bikes. They were forced to ride at night when it was hard packed. They got lost. They got hungry. And now, 15 days into his adventure, as he reached Gillette, Wyoming, Eric was also beginning to feel the toil. I was tired of the expedition physically, mentally, because I'm doing research. I'm, I'm getting lost. I'm going backtracking. So I just like, June 29, I need to take this day off. And the night before, I was asked to speak at a historical museum. So I didn't have the energy to continue the next day. So June 29th, I took the day off. Somewhere around 1 o'clock p.m. on June 29th of 2022, it started hailing. And 
big Helen. And I was like, wow, if I would have left Gillette, there was nowhere to protect myself. I would have been in the open road, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm glad that I took the day off. <laughs> and I get a text from the historian of that museum. And he says, did you see what's happening outside? I was like, yeah, the hell. He said, I got to share something with you. And he texted a newspaper article written in June 29th of 1897 when the troop was coming through Gillette, Wyoming. And it says on the article that on June 29th, they were hit by hailstorm, seven, eight inches of hailstorm. And the guy says, someone is watching over you, that you decided to take the day off and you didn't have to go through that experience that they went through. There were good times and more coincidences. The Bicycle Corps arrived in Crawford, Wyoming on the 4th of July and were invited to walk in the parade, cheered by crowds of people. Eric arrived the same day and biked in the same parade. But if the Continental Divide and shelterless plains of Wyoming were physically grueling, what was coming next for the Buffalo Soldiers and for Eric was another level. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Nebraska Sandhills are the largest sand dune formations in the Western Hemisphere, stretching 265 miles across the state and covering 19,300 square miles of wide open, desolate land. The Nebraska we have today in 2023 is not like the Nebraska that they crossed in 1897. There were not many towns, so they weren't able to go into places to get water. So sometimes they had to get water from cattle ranchers. And a lot of those guys would get sick. And the heat that they went through, it was reported that it was 110 degrees when they went through Nebraska. For me, it was about 106. That was the hottest that it got. But I was not in full uniform. I had shorts and I had a t-shirt and I was able to take my t-shirt off, which they didn't. They were servicemen, so they stayed with their long pants and uniform on and also the rifle. So one of the things that I had to do, and it happened kind of by the kindness of someone that I walked in into a convenience store and it was 106 degrees. The guy was like, why are you out there biking? Like there's a warning that no one should be out there. Like you should be home. And it's like, and I show him pictures of my project and why I'm doing it. He was like, man, well, why don't you go into the beer cooler and cool off? And I was like, oh, thank you. Cause at that point I could feel how hot I was. So I went in there had some chips, had some water, and I just sat in that, in that beer cooler for like 15 minutes. And every time I stopped at a convenience store, I, now I would just ask, can I go into your beer cooler? They made it through and so did Eric, but 
if it wasn't for that history, for his determination to honor their determination and tell their story, he says he might not have. It would have been easy to quit. For Eric, the going gradually got easier. But for the 25th Bicycle Corps, as they crossed into Missouri and the final leg of their trip, something else began to rear its ugly head. As they went east of Wyoming into their trip in Nebraska and Missouri, especially in Missouri, they had a lot of racism. As a matter of fact, they would, some of the locals would get them lost on purpose, you know. They're like, oh yeah, you go this way, and that's just to, for them to get lost. So they, they experienced a lot of racism. That was hard to learn when I read that because as physically and mentally this expedition is, and now they have to go through that, it's hard, right? Like they couldn't go into places that the lieutenant and the doctor and the journalist were able to go. So while they were having a good meal at some of the restaurants, those guys were outside in the heat having a can of beans. Yeah, that's hard to know that history and what they had to go through. And that perhaps is the most important part of this story. As a segregated unit, the Buffalo soldiers, despite winning numerous commendations and often giving up their lives for their country, were subjected to the same systemic racism they faced outside of the army. They served an America that did not serve them. There are different reasons why their story is still largely unknown, but in many ways it can be seen as a testament to the struggle they faced then, and in reflection, the struggle African Americans still face in this country today. But when they finally reached the end, after 41 days and 1900 grueling miles, the Buffalo Soldiers got the hero's welcome they deserved. And when they got into St. Louis, there's some reports that thousands and thousands of people, I read a report that over 10,000 people greeted them in St. Louis. And I was very happy for them that they were treated like heroes. The newspaper article from July 14, 1897, when they arrived to St. Louis, it says that this was the greatest achievement by a cyclist, by bicycle ever done, right? And till this day, I feel that that was the greatest achievement ever done by bicycle. And for thousands and thousands of people to greet them and a few hundred people rode the last final miles with them, that was pretty awesome. Eric finished on the exact same date they had, July 24th, almost to the hour. He had traced their path precisely. He had seen what they had seen, felt what they had felt. He had called to them as he rode and they had listened. And their story is just as relevant, just as important today as it was 125 years ago. When I get to campsites, uh, I get to a campground, or I even look at social media or magazines of people that travel by bike, you don't see a lot of people of color. And for me, it's not about me. I've done a lot of expeditions. For me, it was about telling their story, for this story to inspire the next generation of people that want to travel by bike, the next explorers, the next historians that are of color to have the sense of pride that I had 
when I first saw the first photo, when I started reading about their experience and to know that there were people of color traveling by bike and it wasn't documented before. And I'm glad that the army did this because finally I was able to see photos, journals of people that look like me, that travel by bike like me. And again, for me, it's about inspiring the next generation of explorers that look like me or maybe that don't look like me but i do want to inspire the next generation of explorers and historians and that's why i told this story people of color have been shamefully underrepresented in outdoor and adventure activities and historic discrimination is at the heart of the problem in retracing this route and raising the story of the Buffalo Soldiers into the light, Eric is helping to redress that balance. He's helping to show young black boys and girls across the country that people that look like them can be explorers, can be adventurers, can, like the Buffalo Soldiers themselves, achieve incredible feats, irrespective of their situation. But riding bikes, taking off on extraordinary journeys, is about more than just that for Eric. That experience of traveling slow, I fell in love with. So I actually thought it was about the physical, and it was. I saw beautiful places in the country, but I got to go internal too, and I got to travel inside of myself, discover who I was. It became a moving meditation for me. I don't do this full time. I'm a husband, I'm a father and I have work to do, I have to pay rent, I have to, you know, I'm a responsible adult, right? So when I go on these expeditions, the first week is that chatter in my head of like, oh, I left my wife, I, I hope she's okay. My son, did I pay the rent? Oh, I need to deposit this. So all that things are going into my head, but at some time, Usually within five or six days, I'm just in the present moment and it's just the strokes, the bike pedaling. And that's important for all of us. We don't have to ride 2000 miles. We just need to keep the wheels turning. And for Eric, this trip changed his life. In calling those names in living their history, he found his own story too. His trip was covered and celebrated by everyone from the New York Times to the Smithsonian. It spread like wildfire around the world. He now gives talks across the country. He has a platform. People listen, and he has more history to share, more miles to ride. Eric's story, in its own way, is no less inspiring than those heroes he saw in a dusty old photo those many years ago. Meet up with people that support your ideas, that support your dreams, and stick with those people, you know? And if you have a dream of exploring, there's always a way to do it. I've always been curious. And as much support that I had, there was also family members, friends that discouraged me to explore. They were like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you traveling by bike? You have a college degree. You, you should be in an office and... I said, like, I don't know, I'm just following myself. How I describe it is curiosity is the way that I 
get fed or my soul gets fed. You know how we eat and we need food to nourish. Curiosity nourished myself and nourished my soul. And it has all my life, even as a kid. I mean, just telling you that is bringing tears to my eyes because it's how I get fed. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for taking us on this amazing journey across America and through history, bringing the story of the Buffalo Soldiers back so it won't ever be lost again. Connect with him directly at IamBicycleNomad.com. Bicycle underscore Nomad is his Instagram and Bicycle Nomad, all one word, is the Facebook. He's an awesome guy, as you can tell, and great fun to hang out with. So do go and check that out. You won't be disappointed. And if you like this episode, check out some more of our bike adventures. The Silk Road Mountain Race, riding the toughest mountain bike race in the world with extreme bike packer Kat Jaffe is one of my favorites. And Signs of Life, a 53,000 mile bike ride around the world with Stephen Fabes is another. But we have lots, so just scroll through some of the catalog and see what you can find. And let me know what you like to and what other bike adventures you want to hear about. The website is armchair-explorer.com and the Instagram and Facebook is at Armchair Explorer Podcast. And don't forget to check out aptpodcaststudios.com to find more of their awesome shows. So excited to be part of that team. So until next time, keep pedaling, keep calling, and keep being curious. Because the more we look for wonder in the world, the more the wonder of the world becomes a part of who we are. Dare to be truly alive. This podcast was produced by Armchair Productions, the audio experts for the travel industry. Armchair Explorer is a part of APT Podcast Studios. Jenny Allison wrote and co-produced the show along with me, and Charles Tyree did the audio editing and sound design. I'm Aaron Miller. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.